Hey, Eugene. Hey, how's it going? Doing, doing good. How are you? Uh, you know, I guess it's been better, this whole quarantine situation. Not great. <laughs> well, hopefully by the time this episode airs, we're going to be out of it. <laughs> right. So tell me, how did how did your tax preparation go this year? Oh, man. I I had the worst tax year I've ever had. Really? Like, like normally, it takes me like 20 minutes. I go on TurboTax. It's done. I get a couple hundred bucks back. Easy peasy. But this year, like, my wife's employer sent her a second W-2 and it was late. So I... Uh, like I already filed the taxes and then I had to amend them. And then I owed a bunch of money because I had to catch her up to our like group or joint, joint tax level. And then I had to like print out the return and mail the federal one. And then the state one could be done online and I ended up owing like thousands of dollars. Really? Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> wow. And it was stressful, like sending a huge check and like a flimsy envelope to a random address and like, hope for the best. (laughs) Did you send a priority mail with tracking? No, no. I just put it in, put a stamp in, done. What's wrong with you? (laughs) I don't know. I figured it was a check. Yeah. You never send um, anything to the government without tracking because they'll say they didn't get it. Well, I mean, they deposited the check, so... Oh, okay. That's good, I guess. I, Are you sure you did it right? No, no. That's the whole point. <laughs> uh, I'm actually thinking that maybe you did it wrong, which is why you had to owe. No. I, I mean, we're not withholding anything. And her tax rate is much lower. It does make sense. Like, when I just did some rough math, and let's say that I pay a third of taxes... Of my income, and yeah, it was about that much. Interesting. Um, Well, this year it's going to be interesting in terms of tax season because they've just extended this stuff for three months, and people think that, oh, it's going to make accountants' life so much easier. No, Uh -uh, it doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, They just basically gave us the version of the tax um, season extended over another three months yeah now people are just going to be even more lazy and put it off for longer that's right and then you're going to be struggling in the summer when you want to be out and swimming pool and all of that Hmm. yeah i don't i don't really understand these like extensions and whatever stimulus packages that aren't actually helping they're just like here have some loans or we'll extend this payment by some amount you still owe the money yeah but here's the thing so like some people like some people's businesses will kind of go into um hibernation for a month or two so for them they made money you know last year and they some of them put away money for taxes. Some of them didn't. Some of them were like, you know what, we're just going to pay with the new incoming money. And now there's no incoming money because the business has stalled for, for a little bit. And uh, it's actually happening to my client right now. Um, their income will probably stall for, I don't know, a couple of months. Um, 
before the events are allowed again because they're actually not in the event industry, but they service the event industry. So all of their orders were canceled for the next three, four months. So for them, the extension is actually good because they will, you know, hopefully by July we'll have the business bouncing back again. They don't like pay quarterly estimates? No, because it's um, it's a business and um, they have a salary. So then I basically what happens is I have them withhold um, a lot of tax uh, from their salaries, but then like they're an S corporation. So they have to pay income tax on kind of the non-salaried portion of the income. Um, so for them, for example, actually many of my clients are S corps. So for, for most of them, you know, let's say they make 50% of the net income they take as a salary and 50% they take as a, just the distribution from the S corp, which you can do. Um, they pay usually the withholding is calculated on the salary only, and you have to kind of withhold extra to cover the extra income. But you know nobody wants to withhold extra. So what the, what happens is that um, at the end of the year you owe you know a little bit like <clears throat> I don't know twenty grand maybe depending on the income or whatever it is. So basically. That's what happened to them. Like they owe maybe twenty thousand, and um, not that they don't they don't have money. They do, but because they have employees and all of that, um, they're kind of very cautious now with with paying anything. Like they want to hold money as long as possible, so that you know if they have to pay for for something, a rent or whatever, they have the money in the bank. So it's actually a pretty dire situation. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have it the easiest, but I'm still really stressed. <laughs> you do have it the easiest. You have W-2s. It's nothing. Right. And I can work from home and like all that stuff, but it's it's still really stressful seeing the whole city shut down. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of depressing, I would even say. Don't you, don't you think? I mean... A lot of them just aren't going to make it through. Yeah. Actually, which is, I've heard... which is fine. Well, it is fine. <clears throat> but I mean, I do feel bad for small business owners. The, the other ones, like, like that's the, they say the major, not the major, what's the word? Um, the biggest tax, the biggest employer in the country is actually small business. Um, not the corporations because small businesses account for, way more than half of um, the, you know, the employment or whatever, like they, they provide more jobs than large corporations. Uh, Anyway, but uh, yeah, so like, it's going to be, well, some of them will, first of all, will suffer in terms of health. Some of them will suffer in terms of the business. Some will actually do well. Like we have someone we know who, owns a chemical factory they're like working 24 7 yeah i mean i don't know like in this like tech world i guess like tech is very important and being able to work from home and not have any like productivity losses is nice and then everyone's way more reliant on tech infrastructure 
So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. My husband's doing a fiber installation and stuff, but they're busy. They have to keep working because people need internet. Imagine sitting home with no internet. <laughs> yeah. But like our building is closed and we're not allowed to go in. So if there was some sort of like issue now, the internet companies aren't getting those contracts because people don't even know that their internet's broken because businesses have like special magic internet. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, the internet is also for like the emergency services. So like, that's important. So they have to keep working people, you know, hospitals need internet, like all of that, like all the medical records are now electronic. So, um, there are a lot of companies, not companies, but like there are a lot of organizations that rely on that. Anyway, I think we're going to get through it. What do you think? I mean, it sort of reminds you that we had this abstraction of society, but at the end of the day, we're just people. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, we're going to get through it. But when we come out, it might be different as far as like what the world looks like, what the like the social structures, what the government looks like. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of taxes and why they're fair in this country? <laughs> no, we should we should talk about the article. No, hold on a second. We're going to assign the article for next oh, time. We're going to assign gonna it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk about how fair the taxes are in this country. <laughs> sure. I have um, no problem paying taxes. I mean, it's a bit predatory for some groups, but I feel like in how do my you mean? well, I mean, in my super easy W two sort of world, I feel I feel pretty good. Like, sure, it's a huge amount that I'm paying. But I feel like I can afford it and like I'm being fairly compensated for my work and the numbers look big, but it's still affordable, even with my like special city tax and all the other like nonsense that we have to pay for in New York. But I still feel okay. But well, here's the thing. The top rate in New York State is 6.9% or 6.11, no, 6.9%. And um, New York City residents pay another 4%. So it's actually not that bad if you think about it. Plus federal. Well, federal is a different story. So like federal, there's more, federal has more, I guess, um, benefits, especially for now for small businesses, there's kind of a way to plan and proactively reduce it. Like that's my main kind of expertise now, proactively reducing taxes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> it, it's so complicated and it is kind of hard to see where the money's going. But yeah, that's another conversation. Like I wish, I wish, um, I wish we stopped kind of, supporting external um, things and supported more internal, but that's another conversation. Like I don't want to get into politics, but I do want to kind of mention like a lot of people have this um, kind of belief that you, 
that the taxes in the United States don't make logical sense and that they're not fair. I actually think that they're fair um, because like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So like in the UK, like let's say you're married and your spouse makes nothing and you make millions of pounds, you have withholding, basically your tax withholding doesn't, um, what's the word? Doesn't depend on like how many, how hard it is for you. Like, do you have any other, you supporting, you know, five children or, um, elderly parents or whatever, like you don't get any sort of benefit or deduction for that. Um, in the United States, it's actually the opposite. So that's why it's such a complicated, you know, internal revenue code has a lot of these little wrinkles and gives an ability for us to really plan for someone and really create a, create this kind of a scenario to reduce the tax, kind of create different entities and shift income and et cetera. But in, you know, the bottom line is on a personal level, you get a credit for having children for every child. Like you get a credit for supporting parents because, because it's harder for you than someone with no children and no parents to support financially harder. You have to feed more people. You have to kind of, um, support more people. So I feel that it's, you know, more, much fair, uh, much more fair than it is in like the UK, for example, same thing in like Russia, you have a tax, um, that everybody pays same percent and that's it. Like you don't get extra anything if you have special circumstances. I also don't find it very useful to get upset about your current situation. <laughs> like I, I pay a certain amount of taxes. When I look at that amount, I feel annoyed. And like, oh, that's my money. They're taking it. But I'm capable of moving to a place with lower taxes. Like I can get a job in Washington or Tennessee or New Hampshire or something. Pennsylvania, where I used to live, was much lower taxes. And like I know tons of people that work from home from Pennsylvania making, you know, New York, San Francisco income, but mm, live in Pennsylvania cool. and pay less taxes. So I feel complaining about it isn't productive. And then the larger discussion of where's this money going and why is everything so complicated? It's not, I don't think it's useful for at least people like me who don't really know what's going on to like complain and say this isn't fair when I don't know the full picture. Yeah. Well, uh, that's right. You have a choice, which is why I kind of um, commute to work is not tax deductible because you have a choice where you live. Um, it's a personal choice. It's not a work choice or a business choice. You, you know, you can live next door to your office and not have commuting costs. So, um, it absolutely is personal choice. And, um, yeah, I mean, people love living in New York city, for example, some people, um, love living in New York city because of all it's, you know, color and stuff. But at the same time, at the same time, if you want to pay less tax, you can move somewhere like, I don't know, Texas or Florida or whatever. Um, I actually know, well, I don't know that person personally, but, um, I know of him, um, this guy, he's over 50. He doesn't believe in paying taxes. He hasn't paid taxes in or filed tax returns in forever. 
maybe 20 years. <laughs> um, even though he gets paid on like 1099 sometimes, you know, um, sometimes cash, I guess. I don't really know. But imagine someone like just says, oh, yeah, I'm going to not pay taxes because like I don't believe in taxes or something. <laughs> well, and then the government is in, you know, they have a right to prosecute him if they catch him. Well, right. But here's the thing. He doesn't have any property. He doesn't have any like cars that he owns or like the cars that he owns are like um, cheap, you know, like old cheap cars. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't own um, pro like a house or anything like that. So it's actually interesting that you can get away with, with that for so many years. And some people, you know, don't file anything. And uh, all the government can do is like kind of put a levy on their property but if you get paid on let's say if you get, even if you get paid on a 1099 if you cash your checks and just get cash they can't even take anything from your bank account because you have nothing in there and you know that's like fine but whenever i hear of all these strategies to make a little bit less or have some sort of quality of life adjustment to pay less taxes I just feel like that's not the kind of life I want to live. I, I know like a lot of people that they, they prefer working for jobs that pay them cash tips or they do this weird 1099 hiding who owns their car. And no, I'll have my parents, you know, own the car and I'll just use it and pay them cash. And that might be fine for them. But as far as I'm concerned, that's not a trade off I'm willing to make. I would I agree. I want to have really easy not any sort of like deviant behavior in society. And I just I just find it much easier going through life paying all the things that the government want me to and getting the benefits of like simplicity. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, um I think kind of this this month topic we'll we'll kind of talk about more like taxes and we'll we'll post the article that basically talks about nine reasons to not do your own taxes so i'm guessing our kind of thought process is that like april just kind of ended and we are launching this in may and we'll talk about the fact that like kind of what people's experiences are during tax season like people who got unexpected bills or actually the other way around unexpected good surprises in terms of tax and kind of an overall mindset. Um, so I was going to suggest us kind of talking a little bit about maybe doing your own taxes versus um, hiring a professional. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, from my end, I've never hired anyone to do taxes because I almost always just have two or three forms and I just never saw the benefit of sort of bothering a person that I knew was swamped with work and it wasn't even a money thing. I just, I just didn't see the need to bother a professional because my situation is very simple. <laughs> you know, there's a professional that I know um, in Texas She's doing like a tax Tuesday tips or something like that. Every like Tuesday they record a video 
And last year they did this video with um, things to never say to your CPA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and among them was, oh, I, my, my situation is very simple or um, I have a quick question. That's my favorite. <laughs> Um, so when you said my situation is very simple, your situation, I know it, it is very simple, but people often underestimate how simple or complicated their, their situations are. I feel like, I mean, the only way I could imagine my situation be simpler is if I didn't have student loans. So like I have one extra form, but like, yeah, I can imagine in the future having more complicated stuff, maybe a mortgage, maybe some sort of like stock stuff. And even that, you just sign in in TurboTax to that like equity account, and it just pulls everything automatically. Well, so that yes, but then we la remember in the last couple of episodes we talked about the fact that you let's say if you were to start something on your own, like that's where a complication comes in. That's when I feel like yes, if you can honestly, um, let's back up for a second, honestly. There are, on average, people who seek professional accounting help, there are about 700 per professional, 700 clients per professional, statistically. This is, um, this was, the study was done a couple of years ago by my husband, uh, maybe about eight or nine years ago. So the numbers may have changed a little bit, but I don't imagine that they've changed dramatically since then. So 700 tax returns is a lot for professionals. So for me, when someone can do their own taxes because they have a W-2 and a student loan, let them do it. Like, I don't want to do that because I can never charge any value, um, value billing for it. Like I can never give you the value to save taxes, to reduce them, um, to be able to, to kind of warrant the, the higher fees. So from my perspective, if you have a simple situation like that, a couple of W-2s and, a, you know, and no business and a, maybe a mortgage statement, you can totally do it on your own in TurboTax. But as soon as you have some sort of a freelance arrangement or you have a side hustle or whatever, um, and you start making money, that's when you need a professional because what's going to happen is if you start doing this Schedule C on your own, you will be paying not only the income tax, but also self-employment tax, which is 15.3% on everything. So just by, let's say, having a, an, a corporation, S-corp, depending on the state and everything. So some states have different rules for S-corps versus like, I don't know, partnership or an LLC. Um, you can save a ton of money. Uh, but in order to do it correctly, you have to have your paper trail in place. You have to have your money trail in place. So it's actually, I don't even, I don't advise folks who have, who make, let's say more than 50,000 on their schedule C to do the taxes themselves, because they'll end up paying a ton of, a ton of tax that they could other, otherwise avoid or, um, reduce and stuff like that. But when you're not, when you're working for somebody else and your spouse works for somebody else, that's totally fine. But from a professional perspective, like if I go to you and I'm like, hey, I have three W-2s and I don't know, a couple like interest payments from savings accounts, would 
would that be annoying for you? Is that like a waste yes. of your time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not a waste of my time. It's not a waste of my time per se. It's more of a waste of my skills because anyone can do that type of tax return. Like any pre pre preparer who's not a CPA, someone like, you know, like H&R Block, for example, their professionals start, I don't know about like higher ranks of managers and stuff, but like their professionals who work with people day to day get like six or seven weeks of training. Um, so they just basically learn how to punch numbers into the program and that's it. Now, when you're a tax professional, it's completely different because you have to have all this knowledge of strategies when things apply to a client, when they don't, when this entity would be better. You can do late elections for S corps, like you know, what I mean, like so you don't have to, you you have room to to really be creative and be not aggressively creative. Like I'm very risk averse in terms of taking risky tax positions, but at the same time, I'm going to squeeze every penny of tax out of the situation legally. So um, the simple tax returns, I don't even take them anymore. I haven't taken them for a couple of years now, but there are professionals who are learning, who are kind of just starting out uh, on their own, like especially now in this um, interesting coronavirus situation. Um, some of them will be working from home and taking some clients on the side, let's say if they work for somebody. So what, what what will happen is that they will start learning. And here's the thing. There is something called um, the Dunning-Kruger effect. You can Google it and, you know, take a look. It kind of explains how tax accountants, uh, tax preparers um, turn out to be not super knowledgeable, but sound knowledgeable and confident. Um, I don't know if you have it in front of you yet, but it's kind of like a curve that goes up in the beginning and, and your axis, your vertical axis is the confidence and your um, horizontal axis is your knowledge. So the beginning graph goes up sh like a sharp um, kind of vertical graph going up, which means that you start accumulating a little bit of the knowledge in the beginning, your confidence goes through the roof and then it drops sharply and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're like what's going on. I don't know so much. So I feel like to go back to your point, yes, it's kind of annoying the, to get the simple returns, but at the same time, um, I feel bad for folks who get kind of bad advice from accountants, uh, who get like mistakes, um, from preparers, you know, when preparers don't do, their work well, like it happens all the time. I get that, you know, kind of, um, bad, I don't want to say bad advice, but, um, inferior work from folks. Yeah. And I, I, I take your point and like bringing this back to the only thing that I know about software, the way that these apps are now released where before you would buy, you know, your favorite tax software for this year, and it was a CD and you just did everyone's taxes on that. So you really could train someone even for eight weeks, even for one week, and they would be perfectly competent in that software. Where now I'm assuming all of it is online and sort of web service based. 
So when I go in to do my taxes last month or next month, those are different apps that people are using. And like software engineers aren't really good like UX designers. No kidding. <laughs> so a lot of stuff isn't intuitive. And then if it changes, that's confusing for the tax preparers. And it's confusing for users like me who every year have to deal with like these weird quirks and I'm only doing it once a year. So it's like a high stress situation once a year. Then I forget about it. And then I have to do it again with like a slightly different application. Maybe I switch services. And I like I wonder, someone that's trained for a couple of weeks that is into accounting, they're not into technology, they're not into web services. Are they really better at doing my taxes than me who has very little tax knowledge? I do know that I have a couple forms that I literally have to import. And half the time, I just punch in the first couple, I don't know, IDs or something, and it auto-imports. And I have experience using websites. That's is that more beneficial? Am I better at preparing taxes than a professional who knows all the accounting words, but isn't quite up to date on what the new JavaScript framework is? Well, here's the thing. So the danger in tax is you don't know what you don't know. So, and this, you know, I learned also from experience. I worked for somebody for a couple of years. And then I went on my own. And when I was on my own, I always kind of uh, ran the situation by the tax guru that I had a good relationship with. Um, but the danger, you know, it's it's easy to punch in the numbers. If If taxes were just about punching numbers into a program, all of us would do our own taxes and nobody would need accountants. But the problem is that we don't go to school for four years and then pass the CPA exam for nothing and get experience. I mean, some people pass the CPA exam and they still don't have a lot of um, tax knowledge, but um, the danger is that you don't know what you don't know. I love sometimes how bookkeepers who are not accountants and many of them don't have an accounting degree, accounting training are like, oh, I'm just going to start doing corporate tax returns. Okay, good luck to you. You know, like I, I don't diminish, you know, their their intellectual ability or or whatever, but it's so much more to that. Like anyone can punch the numbers in. The tax returns for like, let's say businesses and people with businesses is more about what do you do before you punch in the numbers? How do you organize them? How do you total them up? How do you close the year? How do you treat this transaction or that transaction? Like that's where the danger is. And um, sometimes I hear, you know, bookkeepers all of a sudden started start doing corporate tax returns i'm like you know whatever like i feel bad for for clients who's who are gonna um be your clients because everybody thinks it's not a big deal where in fact it is <laughs> yeah and a thing about i guess in general professions that i try to think about is sure you went to school but it's also it should have been ingrained when you're in school that being a professional, you have to keep up with all the developments. So doing taxes when you went to college is very different 
from you doing taxes now. Maybe you moved states and you have to keep up to date and give proper advice. And I feel like a lot of people who may be professionals may have these professional licenses. They don't keep up and that makes them worse. So, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. Not every CPA can do taxes. Like, um, I have, um, someone, I used to work for a firm where a client was a CPA and I was like, why do we, why does she have us do do her taxes? And the partner said, well, she never had any tax experience. She worked in audit. She worked in this other stuff, but she never, you know, she never did taxes. So she doesn't trust herself. And it's good when you're kind of, um, um, when you can realize that, yes, it's not my area of expertise, but unfortunately some people who are doing their own taxes should really have someone else do it for them. Not you. <laughs> I, like, honestly, it's, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I'm very tempted to overpay to alleviate the stress of me trying to figure out how that website works next year. And, <laughs> Oh, you're a confused accountant? Cool. That's your problem. I even paid for the like special support like with it in person. I spent like five hours like live with a person, with them trying to figure it out. Do you know how this resolved? They were like, why don't you just delete your return and start from nothing? <laughs> I was like, the error is in one of these forms. But there are four forms. Can you find where I messed up? They're like, nah, delete them all. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> well, here's the thing, um, and you should probably know this, and or maybe you don't, but I never import, almost never import forms into anywhere because you have no control over what numbers, like where to check and what what was missed or not. Like I almost always prefer to enter the numbers myself just because then I know, okay, I've entered this one, and if I missed something, I will know by looking at the form. But when you import, you have no control. And again, probably if it was like a well-tested application, it's much more reliable on average, statistically, whatever, to import. Because really? machine, well, yeah, if, if it's a good algorithm and all the forms are the same, you write one algorithm, you test it, and people make mistakes all the time. People have like number dyslexia, people get tired, they, you know, slip a number, miss a number. But a computer, it will never do that. Problem is, these algorithms, they're delivered quickly. They're constantly changing. And, oh, there's a bug. Let me update it. So, like, even when I did my taxes the first time, and then I had to amend them later, that was probably a different program in in some way. And maybe it didn't affect me, but I I don't know what to do. Well, uh, for amended, uh, certain programs, and it's interesting because, you know, I obviously do a lot of amended, not a lot, but like sometimes I do amended returns and um, some programs, they automatically take the original information because on the 1040X, you have to list originally reported and then there is correct and then there is the change. So some programs, I used to have a software that would do that for you, like you hit kind of you check, oh, amend this return and it automatically transfers original data. Yeah. Now my new so yeah, okay. Uh, my new software doesn't do it. You have to enter original data manually. 
So um, if you don't know that, you can easily overpay taxes um, by doing it wrong. And a person who doesn't really know what they're doing is so much more likely to make a mistake. Yeah, and again, I I understand that these applications are ever changing, and I know how to like deal with them crashing. But that's where I'm leaning. I would rather have someone that's more experienced as a user of the application than me as someone who, in general, knows how to make them. So next year, as of this moment, I think I'm going to overpay some person and like, you know, make sure I like them, make sure they come off confident, and oh, just that's, and that's just hope trap. for the best. <laughs> that's the trap. Come off as confident. Look up the. Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah. Look it up. You'll understand. I think it's that's probably where like uh experienced enough to be dangerous. Like you you get a little bit of knowledge and all of a sudden you think that you're an expert and you get into some edge case and you're like, Well, I don't even know that I messed up. But two months later, exactly someone will find out. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. So just liking them is not enough. The experience, the um like I, you know, I used to have work with this guy um, and he was always like, you ask him a question, you can never get a short answer. It's always like, oh, like conversation for 15 minutes. Um, and now as I got more experience, I understand why, because you can almost never answer a question with just, oh, yes or no. It's more like, yes, but if it's this exception, then that, if it's that exception, then this kind of thing. And now when people ask me, like someone just asked me recently, a couple of weeks ago, how do you open um, a corporation? I'm like, well, how do you open a business, a company? And I'm like, well, which com- like, what company do you want to open? Like, wh- what, what are your plans? And, you know, my husband was like, well, it's so easy. You go online, you create an entity. And I'm like, anyone can do it. A fool can do it. But um, deciding which entity is best needs a conversation. I need to understand what your long-term goals are for this business. How, what's the setup going to be? It's going to be you and a partner. Are you going to split capital kind of pro like pro rata share? Like, are you going to do 50, 50 and you're going to contribute and distribute 50, 50 as well, or are there going to be disproportionate distributions? So, you know, kind of voices were raised a little bit and, my husband was saying, like, why are you overcomplicating things? I'm like, that's what I do. Like, that, that's what my expertise is. It, you know, any fool can go online and file an entity in five minutes. Well, 10 minutes maybe. But deciding what to do, which entity to choose, requires time, requires experience and kind of knowing all the tax laws. Like, for example, um, a lot of attorneys love LLCs. They recommend LLCs to everybody. And people, when they start a business, they form an LLC. Where, well, from the tax perspective, LLC is one of the worst because if it's a single member LLC, you pay tax, not only income tax, but you also pay self-employment tax on everything um, up to a certain limit, but then you still pay the Medicare over that limit anyway. And then um, if it's a partnership, you still pay um, self-employment tax and everything. So like, you know, like those kinds of things, people don't know. Like, yes, technology makes it easy to form an entity right now. But at the same time, if you don't have that expertise and you don't give it time to like really 
think about it. Like LegalZoom, for example, you can file an entity in, you know, like 10 minutes. You pay them the fee and it's easy, but they recommend LLCs. The most clients who come to me with LLCs, I convert them to something else. Yeah, and I think trusting experience and expertise is important, but sometimes I feel like people that are too deep in, they sort of, they know all of the little nitty gritty details, but they forget that most of the time people just want to say that they own a company and it's probably going to be nothing in the end. So like the 10 second answer, if I want to open a company and I want to do a thing and I, I register and I do all this stuff and then two months later, I'm like, ah, it didn't work out and I forget about it. The 10 minute answer would have been more satisfying than me investing two months of research, figuring out that I actually don't want this company. And then everyone's well, time was wasted. Well, right. So here's the thing. Here's the deal. That's where someone like me, when you come to me and I, we start talking and you tell me about your plans, I will tell you that it doesn't make sense for you to start. So you wouldn't even have to go through all of that. Um, through all of those motions to, to form a company, you wouldn't even form it in the first place because that like, that's what I do. And that's what my book is about. The first part of the book is actually kind of making sure that your idea will work, that you can make a business out of it because so many folks think that, you know, they're passionate about something flowers, for example, but then they have no idea how to make money on it or they have idea how to make money on it, but they don't really know. They don't really have, good understanding of their audience, of their um, potential clients or whatever. So I can help get all of that kind of figured out before you even start. So this way you don't have to go through those motions and there's no two months research. It's more of a kind of getting to know someone personally, meaning know your goals, know your kind of dreams about this potential business or company or whatever. And I will tell you, oh, you know what? Maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe you should wait and kind of flush this idea out a little bit more. Um, so that's where the, where the value is. But, you know, the confidence alone, um, if you look up the Dunning-Kruger effect, you will see that the most super confident folks have the, le- uh, the least experience. People who are kind of more experienced have, they're confident, but their confidence is not obnoxious, if you know what I mean. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm an expert. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. No, it's more like, you know what? I can help you. And um, let's talk about it. Let's talk this through. And some people are okay with that. Some people aren't. Like, I've had clients who are like, I explained, like, I have to get to know you, who you are, what your personal situation is. Do you have a family that you support? Do you have kids? Do you have parents or whatever it is? Do you have anything? Um, that we can work with that I should keep in mind, or what are your plans for this company? For example, um, if you have this, uh, this idea that in five, five years, you'll you want to sell this business, for example, or this venture, then we'll form a different entity so that you can sell it with zero tax up to, on up to $10 million. Like that's a really cool thing to do, you know? Yeah. And but, from yeah. a professional standing, I also feel myself losing confidence and that's a strange feeling. It's like, I felt way more confident two years ago. But it, it is because I'm learning how much I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a cool yeah. sort of humbling experience. <laughs> yes. And once you understand, like, 
I was, I went through the same kind of motion. I was confident, you know, and in year three, super confident. Then I was like, oh my God, like there's so much stuff that I don't know and stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, um, I guess for, for our listeners, we'll kind of post a link to this website, to this article in New York times. It is written by accountants. So, uh, did you find it boring? Did you say? No, it was bias. Like it was, it was pretty, pretty sort of simple, easy writing. Like they didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It was just a sales pitch, but I did find the points valid and I was swayed towards using an accountant, (laughs) even in my situation. So I thought it was a worth a read. Okay. All right. So we'll discuss it in the next episode. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right.